Welcome to Bridging the Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif, and you know how we do. We got another straight banger. I'm talking about one of the DMV's legendary, one of the greatest basketball players that ever came out of the DMV. We talk about Temple Hill's own, Crossland's own, Merlin's own, the one, the only, Walt the Wizard Williams. Man, what's going on, brother? How you doing, Malak, man? Glad hey, to- hey. Hey, brother, like I told you before we started this interview, man, words cannot explain. I'm I'm going to do my best not to fan out. Um, but uh, we about to go back in time. We about to go back in time. And I, like I said, I know you got a lot of great things going on. You, you've had an illustrious basketball career and post-career. And I want to get into all of that. I'm going to try to condense it as much as I can because, like I said, you're a busy brother. But, um... I would first like to ask, man, how you, how you, how you feeling, man? You looking good, brother. You know how, how everything going? Oh man, everything's going well, man. I'm feeling good. You know, just just doing a lot of things and just trying to make it happen. You know, just continuing to uh, try to have success and um, you know uh, do what I can to help the world, man. <laughs> no doubt. Now, 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 what? You you back in the area? Yeah, yeah, you know, so I, even the whole time I played in the league, man, all, every off season, I, I would always come back home, even if okay. I was living at, at my mom's house, you know, right. in the, uh, my first few years in the league, when I would come home in the off season, I, I would stay with my mom, you okay. know, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I knew I was, when my career was over, I knew I was going to come back home because, uh, you know, that's what I was, uh, soon, soon the season was over with. I've been uh, the whole off season at home, so. Okay, no doubt, no doubt. That's that's uh that that's dope, man. My my daughter this year she supposed to be going to uh, Benjamin Stoddard. <laughs> yeah, she about to be started. This her first year, so um I know I know you uh you spent some time there, man. Oh, yeah. And um you know with that being said, I want to start from the beginning. Now a lot of people don't may not notice, but you originally you originally. You was originally born in Washington D.C. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know Fort Chapman Park, uh, Fort Chapman, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, so I, I used to live in uh, Fort Chapman apartments before I moved over to uh, over in Temple Hills. So yeah, I used to. It was these, uh, and that's where I, that's where I really started playing basketball in, in Fort Chapman. Uh, it was this little playground that that set across the parking lot, and uh, it had these monkey bars. It had a uh, uh, a slide, I mean, uh, uh, a, a seesaw, and oh then a, you know the little metal horse that you rock. The yeah, little, yeah, yeah. You had one of those. Yeah, that thing like a death, a death trap. In the monkey bars, because it was real big at the bottom, and then it got smaller and smaller until it was just one square at the top. Oh, with it, with the ball kind of be dangling. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, like look at out there, man. So, so look, but the, the thing was is that the the uh, the, pl- the little playground set up on a hill, right? Right. And the parking lot was on a hill as well. Okay. So it missed the shot and it bounced and it went over the fence. It rolled down the hill and then down the parking lot. So you had long <laughs> So it made you focus. Yeah. It made me focus in making shots, man, because I knew if I missed, I was going to have a long run. That was a, yeah, that was a hell of a workout to get that ball back. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's over there, um, like East Capitol Street, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, on the on the northeast side. Yep. Okay, all right, bad, bad, bad. So look, um, when did you uh end up moving to um to, to Temple Hills? 
Uh, I was like five years old, man. So I, I actually, I, I went to, uh, I went to uh, Our Lady, uh, Queen of Peace, um, and um, when I moved to Temple Hills, uh, uh, my, uh, I started going to uh, uh, Green, uh, Green Valley Elementary School. Okay. Yeah, man. So I was about five, six years old when I moved around Temple Hills. Okay. So what, what, you know, going back, you know. What was your, your 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 home life like? You know, what was a young Walt Williams like, man? What was some of your interests in, you know, two parent household, one parent household? How, how was it growing up? Now I had two parent household. You know, um, mom and dad there. Um, also, you know, two aunties, uh, un uh, uncle. You know, up on the couch at times. So, you know, um, even when we lived over in Fort Chapman apartments, man, we lived in a basement apartment, man, and uh, it was all of us in there. You know, a two-bedroom joint. So, like, when you back room, it, the, the wall was just full of beds. So, you know, yeah, yeah. me, my sister, okay. my these we we all slept back there. And you know, my uncle would sleep on the in the living room on the couch. And you know, so you know, my mother and father in their in their room. So, yeah. and then moved to a house over in Temple Hill. So then it was a little bit more room, but you know, it was, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot of us in there. So it was very. You know, you know, I grew up with family, a lot of family, man. So yeah. family reunions every year, you know, all of that stuff, man. So I grew up around a lot of family and uh, just being very uh, close, um, you know, coming from humble beginnings, you oh, know, God. you know, wasn't a lot of money flowing around and stuff like <laughs> But, uh, hey, you know, we, we made it happen. And uh, I didn't I didn't actually know, you know, it was all normal to me. Until you know when I when I uh, went to the University of Maryland, then I started to see you know um, it's, it's it's a different level out here. P people have money and you know <laughs> I had never seen that before. No doubt. Things at, at the University of Maryland that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. Like you know I remember playing pickup games at Benjamin started, and uh, you know out there it's rough, man. You know it was it was, it was fights would happen all the time. You yeah, know? yeah. It happens so frequently that I just thought it was a part of the game. And until I went to University of Maryland, I just remember distinctly that, you know, one time we out there hooping, playing pickup games, and I just said, oh my goodness. You know, it was just a moment when we was playing, and I just realized, oh my goodness, we out here, and all we're doing is hooping. It's nothing, it's nothing yeah, else yeah. Happen, but just hoop. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about gunshots and, <laughs> you know, just drive-bys and just fool foolishness. Yeah, man, but you know what I think, like, internally, it, it, it prepares you for, for anything that happens out there. And then, so so mentally, you, you, you're you tough out there, and uh, you, you it, it, it made me very competitive. And so, you know, I go I, um, I go into any situation being confident about what I can do on, on that basketball court because of where I came from. No doubt. I heard you used to uh, ride your bike down to the farms back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, so we used to ride our bike down to the farms yeah. every now and again, and uh, you know it, it was funny because I always I always laugh about uh, when we would ride up as we ride to the court. You can hear them dudes over there saying, "Oh, here come the Merlin back." <laughs> 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 so this is what we do. We hoop down there, right? And then yeah. over for us when somebody goes, "Hey man, let, let me ride your bike." Oh, oh, oh. Do that we ain't getting it back. <laughs> yeah. so, but, but next person get the rebound, we we out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and them, them Southside dudes, go ahead, go ahead. 
the crazy thing about it is we used to come back, you know, better <laughs> that work for sure. You know, so you know, you hey. can find poop anyway because it, you know, we would ride all the way down there because uh, you know, if you lost it was hours before you can get back on the court. Yeah, yeah. Around and places and, you know, just see if we get on, you know. And so sometimes we go down the phones. I heard it was some, it was some wreck down there when it comes to, come to, come to, uh, to, to hooping. A lot oh, of wreck, a lot of good wreck down there. Down, down there than it did back in my day, man. That thing was pretty deep concrete down there. <laughs> <laughs> Travel, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm from the South, South Side, so I, 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 I I vividly remember those those days, man. You know what I'm saying. So look, I want I want to uh, I want I want to uh, switch gears for a second, like, cause me being a long term fan, long time fan, you know, I always wanted to ask this, uh, um, you know, if I ever got an opportunity to meet you, you know, what inspires you to play basketball? Like, who and you know, what player inspired your game? Oh man, no question, Lynn Bias, man. Um, I, I grew up a, a Georgetown Warrior fan as a young boy. You know, John Thompson and you know, Bebe Dorn, Mike, Bre you know, all of those guys, man. Reggie Williams. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, so Michael I, Jackson, you know, all them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Graham and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I, we can talk all day about them. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And then this one time I saw Lynn Bias, man. My my, my dad is uh, from Carolina. Okay. So, to a, a Tar Heel game. He thought he was taking me to a Tar Heel game, but they was playing against the Turks. And <laughs> going live by us, you know, like it, the game was going on. And then this one time he just went up and rose to shoot a jump. I don't even know if he made it or not, but when he shot it, it just looked, it looked way different than everybody else's and his the form on his jump shot. And I was just like, I was just zoned in on that. And then from that point, um, I started watching the Terps on TV. I, I watched uh, the uh, George Michael on the uh, sports, sports, sports machine. All night. <laughs> you know, at nighttime, I, I be looking for the bias highlights. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. next thing you know, I was full fledged Terp fan. And uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to. Uh, I, re I remember um, on the basketball court pickup games in the back of Benjamin started when we used to before the game would start or while we while we going through a game you make a shot or something you, you yell out somebody's name who you're gonna pretend to be that day you know and and oftentimes I would get to be Lynn Bias pretend to be Lynn Bias you know and uh but and so that had a profound uh, effect on me because when I when they came to me making the decision on where I wanted to go um uh, for college that that was in my mind I wanted the kids in my neighborhood to to pretend like they they were me out there on the, in the back of Benjamin started, you yeah, know. Yeah, that 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 was me, man. I, we go we gonna get it all into that later. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to move too fast, man. But uh, let's let, let's 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 uh let's go back for a second. So, um, you uh you you end up going to Crossland uh, High School, you know, freshman year, I believe, 84, 85, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So so talk about what what led you going to uh you know uh going to Crossland? Was you like? You know, were you recruited? You know, was there? I, I know the zone, the zones change or whatever. So talk about that a little bit. So yeah, but uh, um, uh, at, at Crossland, you know, I mean, in my the when I was at Benjamin started in my eighth grade year, they changed the boundaries, the, the zones that year. Okay. So otherwise, uh, my neighborhood's high school was Potomac High School. So uh, I mean, at that time, I mean, in, in the neighborhood. Um, it would have been a situation where it would have been a, a guy named uh, Byron Tucker, Donald Grant, myself, Monty Williams, 
uh, Cedric Lewis, all Ooh. of them. I know, I know about that. I know about them guys, man. Byron yeah. Tucker, Monty Wade, Potomac. Yeah, so we all yeah. think right there, right around Potomac High School. So yeah. we all actually, that was our neighborhood high school. So we all would have been at the same time, you know. And uh, I mean, you, names like that, that's like an all-star team, you know. But we all grew <laughs> up right there in the same neighborhood, pretty much. And so, but um, with Crossing, they, they sent us out there because uh, they, I think they wanted to uh, integrate the school a little bit more. Um, and uh, so they changed zones and stuff like that. And so, uh, man, uh, just meeting a whole uh, a new crowd of people uh, because right. from middle school, we were in that Potomac area. So, you know, it was an opportunity to uh, uh, meet new friends and grow. Okay. And uh, man, I enjoyed so much playing basketball with those guys. I had some, I had some fantastic players that I played with. You know, like you know Anthony Higginbottom, Greg Clark, um, Keith Williams, Mike White, Mike Summoner, Clarence Alfred. I mean. The list goes on and on, and you know, and against the competition in PG County back then, it was just, it was just freakish, man. You know, um, you look at me, I, I was, I was six eight, I'm six, I was six eight as a senior in high school, right? And every dude on the opposing team in my league, they at least had one uh, a six eight dude, at least wow. one. Wow, yeah, yeah. And this is public school, right? Wow. And every team had at least one major D1 dude on their team in public school, you know. So the dynamic of the high school game was was a different thing, yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell a lot of people, you know, um, you know, a lot of guys they look at, uh, you know, they see Kevin Durant, they see Delonte West, they see Mike Beasley, and um, they think that PG County just started producing uh, ball players. But I try to tell them, you know, back in the day. You know, PG County can go toe to toe with any any area, you know, on the East Coast, like straight like that, you know. So so talk about like talk about some of them rivalries, man, because them crossland teams, man, like I was a young I was a young kid, but you know, I, I from what I heard and what I vaguely remember, man, you guys were, were very dominant, man. So so talk about I know you you played for the legendary coach um oh. Coach uh, Hawkins, man. So talk talk about those crossing teams and, and, and what you learned from uh, playing from Coach Hawkins. Well, Coach Hawk, man, he was very detailed and he's he's very disciplined, man. He he didn't take too much mess off of you know you know that that stood out to me very early on. You know, growing up in the neighborhood, you always see see the uh, tough guys in the neighborhood, or whatever. But you know, Hawk was different. He used to have these bike shorts, man. And uh, his wallet, a huge wallet, in his back pocket, you know, buttoned up, just real, real neat. But he was tough as on what he, he'd get yeah. right. The hardest dude in the school, who, who you thought was hard or whatever, he'd come, yeah. you know. And so, you know, I respected that. I respected the way he carried himself like a gentleman, but also, you know, he wasn't playing out there. You know, I, I took notice of that, right? And so that stood out to me. And so uh, he had my respect right out the gate. And so it, when he would tell me things, you know, I would, I would, you know, I would just try to make him happy, man. You know, uh, I had so much respect for him, and and just felt like uh, he was almost like a father figure as well as a coach out there. So we respected him on that level. Not only him, but Darrell Matthews as well. They they didn't just teach us about basketball; they were just trying to teach us how to be men as well. I remember Darrell used to always talk about how you how uh, you know how you shake somebody's hand, looking him in the eye, you know, stuff like that. That we'd be like, oh man. Yeah, but but he was doing that, you know. He was adamant about those things, you know. No. 
you know that, that you know that that sticks with you as you as you get older and you grow into being a man you know so so they were very instrumental in that part of it as well so and it was just great camaraderie you know in those three years that i played on varsity i think we we had a run like about 77 78 and six you know maybe yeah. like and um you know three of those three or four of those losses were out of town in christmas tournaments or something like that i remember we went up to uh camden in new jersey and uh we went down to virginia one year so i, I we only lost in the area maybe two or three times in in, th in a three-year span but the thing was two of them was in a championship game so you know yeah, one, we, of, one of them was your senior year i was like 25 and no yeah, man, we lost it. We lost that championship in Springbrook, man. And so I still talk to a couple of those guys, and they still <laughs> put it to this day. And I, I, I still go to my grave thinking that if we played those dudes 99 times, 100 times, we would beat them 99 times. <laughs> One day, they were just hitting everything, man. You know. Did y'all play them? Did y'all ever get a chance to play them like during the regular season? We we played them early in the in the game. We scrimmaged them, but uh, we we didn't finish. We was waxing them, you know. We didn't, <laughs> you know, the, uh, we we got into a little bit of a, a little scuffle, and, and so yeah, they 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 stopped the scrimmage right there. So, but uh, you know, it was funny. We didn't even know that we was gonna see them later on. So <laughs> I, I I will say that I, I think that we went to that game um, feeling like we had it in bad. We 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 underestimated them a little bit, and uh, right. they took advantage of it for sure, man. But wow to a championship three times three all three years and i we won one in my sophomore year my junior year we lost to uh northwestern uh lynn bias little brother jay bias jay bias talk talk about i gotta stop you for a second i gotta because a lot of people they forget that lynn bias lynn bias had a younger brother yeah and um i interviewed his mom uh miss uh dr lanise bias last year and um that was you know that was a another epic moment for for this for the platform but i want i, I want to talk about uh jay bias a little bit what what do you remember about him and about his game you know for the people who's not familiar oh man, that game for sure um you know i, I think the only thing i heard here is that hey man you, you're lynn bias brother so i think that people have an expectation of him that you know he wasn't gonna ever be able to live up to you know lynn bias is you know unbelievable man but but anyway he was so athletic uh jay was very athletic um he could shoot a little bit uh you know he he could create his own shot uh you know so he could do pretty much everything um he was a good defensive player because of his ath athletic block shots um, well, how tall was he he's my height six eight you know, oh okay. everybody everybody had a six eight dude man <laughs> eight six nine something yeah so, yeah, but he was real. You could tell he was one. He was not. He was one of those guys who was a a legit wing. But you know, you six eight, whatever. You're gonna play the center position and, and right. whatever. But he was a wing dude. You know the way he could move. He was absolutely a, a two guard, small forward type player. Okay, no doubt. Yeah. Now, um, like you said, you you know you you're six feet eight. Now, when when you was playing at high school, did they try to you know did Coach Hawk uh, initially try to put you in a post or? You know, what I mean? and the reason why I ask that is because one thing that always stood stood out about you is your amazing court vision and ball handling skills. So, how was that? You know, um, how how did that uh, play uh, in regard to um, Coach Hawkins and his system? Well, um, I, I never, I didn't play on a team, or I didn't play in an organized situation until high school. So I just played street ball 
player up until high school. So, you know, out there in, on the streets, there's no positions, man. Right. Positionless basketball. You're not going to get that many shots out there. Yeah. So I learned very early on that, you know, I had to have some handles out there, be able to create. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too many guys out there my size. So my thing was my competitive nature was I know I can just take them to the basket and score easy because I'm much bigger. But I'm going to create out here. I'm going to shake them up, shoot jumpers, even though this guy is smaller than me. I'm going to beat them like that. And so just having that mentality, uh, you know, I was very versatile playing the game. And then, you know, playing uh, for a coach like Coach Hawkins. Not I can't even say only Coach Hawkins. Every coach... In, in that in that conference, in that league, in that division, had a six eight dude, and the reason why it was so easily for easy for me to to go from high school being a center power forward to being a point guard in college is because number one street ball that's that's what I played up until high school, but the versatility of every dude that I played against, Jay Bias, mm -hmm. uh, he he could play with his back to the basket, take you in a okay. post, whatever, but he could also shoot threes. He's right. People, you know, Byron Tucker, uh, Mike Tate, Glenn Sidney, um, all of Lonnie Williams, <laughs> all of these guys, you know, dudes that six eight, six nine, six ten, but yeah. they'll shoot the shoot threes, uh, beat you off the dribble and post up. So oh, wow. I was starting dudes who could who could do things from the perimeter. So and also our style of play, you know, we were up tempo, pressure defense. Um, so I, I would guard guards at time as well. So all of those things, we, you know, uh, uh, my environment helped me a lot, not even uh, just pickup games, but, you know, playing uh, for a coach like Coach Hawk, you know, hit everything out there, um, offensive shoot jumpers, uh, picking pops for jumpers, picking rolls, post up. He allowed me to do everything. So he never limited me at all. And so... Uh, coming from a, a streetball background into playing for a coach like him, I've never been under in a situation where I've been limited or you know people tried to force me with my back to the basket. I've never been in that. Okay. Now, when you was um, when you were playing uh, at Crossland, when did you realize like you know this college basketball thing? This might this this thing might be something that's realistic. You know, when did when did this become you know it, it, it started to resonate with you that this could be real? Or, was this something that you ever wanted to do, you know, uh, like younger, you know? Uh, you know what? I, I never, I never, you know how people go, oh man, you have dreams of being in the NBA and stuff like that. It wasn't like that for me. It was just in stages, you know. Um, I remember playing at a, a five-star camp. Uh, so we didn't have like AAU teams. Stuff. Right. It would be, uh, so, you know, if you didn't make the all-star squad around the way, you know, those 10 spots, then, you, you know, you wasn't on the team or whatever. So yeah, you know, it wasn't all of these AAU programs and stuff. And so, and so we would, um, um, on a national stage, you, you went to camps. So it would be five-star camps. And then the big one was Nike ABC camp, right? And so uh, one time I was at this five-star camp and I was playing against um, Alonzo Morning. And uh, up to that, that time, he had this record that he, because he had never lost a five-star game you know, he was going there every year, all of these sessions. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, he ran into me in the championship game. I'm six foot eight, so I'm playing the center position. Yeah. Oh, Alonzo morning game, he is a true center. Right. I'm sorry. So, you know, I had. Well, he's not really, he's only a couple of inches taller than you, but he got yeah, them long. 
he got them long ass arms though. <laughs> he really long. His wingspan is really long. But yeah. the advantage that I had was, you know, I had perimeter game, so I could shoot threes. I could take them off the dribble, so I had that advantage in, in that environment right there. And, and I gave, he couldn't do nothing with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I gave I gave him his only loss in a uh, five star camp history, man. And so uh, you know the dude who used to run it, like uh, Howard Garfinkel. You know, I, I, I remember this so well, man. Like it was yesterday. I was walking back to my my room or my dorm room or whatever, and uh, he rode up rode up on me with uh, you know on a uh, in a golf cart, and he was uh, he was just telling me what I had just accomplished. And uh, you know he was just praising me to a level where I know I knew that he was a legendary dude, and uh, for him to be saying those things about me, that's what made me go, oh man, you know I must be pretty good. So that was the first, the first little inkling. Uh, the second time that it kind of, you know, so that was me in, in high school thinking to myself, okay, maybe I can go to college. But um, seeing just seeing Lynn Bias, man, I was just like. Oh, okay. I mean, am I crossing? Okay, so the next step is, uh, are we going? Okay, we're going to go to college. Oh, okay. I, I, I love Lynn Bias, so I'm going to go to Maryland. So I didn't even realize what was really going on. It was just like, oh, this the this the next step right here. Okay. You know, I didn't even know that I was accomplishing this this major thing. Oh, duh. By okay. by Maryland. Okay. Okay. Now you know you end up um, you end up going to Maryland. Like I said. Um, you know, was there any other colleges that you that you thought about, like prior to going to Maryland? Like, you know, so I know, um, you know, here in the area, you know, a lot of us are big. Uh, a, the ACC is, is it was huge. It, I mean, it's big now, but back then, the ACC was it. I mean, I'm talking about from Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Autumn. They, everybody had a mob. So, you know, with that being said, like. Was there any other schools outside of Maryland that you that you wanted to you know you wanted to rock with? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't. The, you know, I was recruited by uh, Villanova. You know, Massimino. He recruited me pretty heavily. And uh, Raleigh Massimino. I ain't heard that name in years, man. <laughs> and uh, Cheney, Cheney at, at Temple. John Cheney. Okay. Uh, and then Carolina. So and then Maryland. Those those were my final four. What eliminated Temple was. Man, John Taney was practicing like six in the morning. I couldn't do it. <laughs> like, as soon as he said that right there, it was like, <laughs> or Charlie Brown, man. Womp, womp, I hear nothing else. Like, <laughs> he was tough. So, so <laughs> uh, over. It, it was a, it was just an opportunity, you know. Uh, so they were they were somebody who I really uh, that had a uh, that I really took notice of. But Carolina, like I said, my father's from Carolina, so. Um, visiting that campus and being down there it was just like I was at home because I have so much, so many uh, family members down there. As a matter of fact, they went with me on my recruiting visit and, uh, you know, uh, Dean Smith and his staff, they, they, you know, they treated my family, you know, absolutely wonderfully. As a matter of fact, um, we played, when I did choose Maryland, then uh, we played Carolina. Whenever we played Carolina down in Carolina, if you, if you ever see any of those games in the I, camp, I, I, yeah, I seen them. He's the best yeah, they pans the sideline or, or our bench. Yeah. The, behind our bench, that's my family. Wow. Dean Smith made sure that you know, you know, I had whatever things I needed for my family to come to these games to see me play because he knew that that my, I had a lot of family from there. So he did that every year. He was such a classy dude, man. So I just had a lot of respect for him. Um, so, but so it was. It really came down to Maryland and Carolina for me. But at the end of the day, man, 
I could not leave my mama. I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. Now, 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 you didn't mention Georgetown. Like, I noticed that. You didn't, like, what was your relationship with uh, John Thompson? Well, I didn't get recruited to, uh, from by Georgetown coming out of high school, but when we had the uh, uh, when we had the sanctions and things like that, or we went through that situation, and I and I could transfer and play right away, uh, Georgetown was one of the schools that was interested in. Okay, okay. So let me that uh, let's um, I want I, I want to touch on that what you just mentioned, you know, because um, you know the the. There was a severe tragedy that took place in 1986, in June of 1986, with the, the passing of Lynn Bias. And, um, you know, you decided to, you know, I believe that happened your senior year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, your, uh, ju- your junior year. Junior year, yeah. Your junior year. So Merlin got hit with some sanctions. And I don't know the, you know, the details, but it was, it was heavy. So yeah. with all that going on, what made, and I know you've been asked this question, like, a million times. I know you have, man, but I've always wanted to ask you, you know, man to man, you know, being a, a huge fan of yours, like, what what made you really decide to go to Maryland and knowing that? Like, it's one it's one thing to want to go to Maryland, but once you hear something, like, you guys got hit with the death penalty. Right. Yeah, so, so um, for me, uh, like I said, when I saw Bias, man, uh, he turned me into a Terp fan, so my idea of uh, what a turf basketball player was was, uh, you know, this phenomenal, great, great thing in the form of Lynn Bias, you know. And so uh, um, that's what that was my mindset, or that's what my thought process, or what I thought about the University of Maryland. So the the connotation to University of Maryland at that time in '86 after his passing was just so negative, and uh, I wanted the I wanted the country to see University of Maryland the way I saw it. Uh, more importantly, I wanted the neighborhood kids to see it the way I saw it. So I wanted to inspire kids to 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 uh, uh, come to University of Maryland. I always felt that you mentioned it earlier. We've always had the best high school players in the country, in my opinion. And I, and so I felt like if you could get players here uh, to come to the University of Maryland, we we were going to be a dominant team. And so, um, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, I put on a show. Uh, for my family and my friends, but for my neighborhood, that's what I had the high socks on. I, I wanted everybody to know where I was from. You know, um, I wanted I wanted to be, I wanted the neighborhood to go, oh man, I'm gonna pull my socks up like that. And then when you go play somewhere else in the country, they automatically go, oh, his socks are up. He from, he from the DMV. No doubt, no, no. It was not just the socks though, it was the temple table too. Yeah. <laughs> I used the first basketball player in the league that I remember that that used to rock a temple taper. And if you if if, if anybody know DC, we started that. Let's 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 keep it let's keep it 100. We started that. You know what I'm saying? And me being a young kid, I used to have the socks up. I started asking my mom, can I get a temple taper? And um I remember I gotta share this story real. I know I'm ra- I'm, I'm I'm rambling, but I, I gotta get it out. I gotta get the story out. When I was like 13, I remember seeing you in Iverson Mall. Yeah. And you was like on the first floor, like on the second floor where they used to sell those little sugar cookies. Oh yeah. And you was coming in and as I was leaving out. And I was ready to say something to you. This was you was this was right before the 92 draft. And when I got close to you, I just froze. <laughs> I I know you don't remember it. This is, we talk about 30 years ago, but I was 
I just froze, man, and I I, I was like, wow, I got. I, I was like, man, I got a I got an opportunity to say something to him because I'm you know I'm a Merlin fan, and I just froze. I had to get that story out, man. It's embarrassing. Hey, but that, that's the part of the game I, I never really got used to. I, I never got used to uh, a person seeing me in that light, you know, because I, I, I just don't envision myself that way, you know. So it's, it's always been, you know, that's something that, that part of the game I, I never got used to, you know, people wanting your autograph and stuff like, of, of course, you go ahead and do it, whatever. But it's always seemed a little weird to be like, I was just like, <laughs> you know, for a person to oh, good. <laughs> you know, Hey, the thing I tried to do when I when I when I when I did play the game, man, I, I was trying to show everybody, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. Like I was trying to show, you know, it wasn't so much like I said earlier, it wasn't so much about me wanting to be a NBA player or looking for this goal down the road. It was just that day when when I walk into the gym, this day right here, everybody that watched today, they I'ma show them. And you, you know? sure did, you sure yeah. did, man. You sure yeah. did. Now. I want to talk about like those first two years at Merlin. You guys kind of struggled a little bit, but um, because Bob Wade recruited you, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Now, um, I believe your junior year, Gary Williams came. So, what was that transition like going from Bob Wade? Because from what I what I read and researched about Bob Wade, man, they say he was really tough. I know he's a coach out uh, in Dunbar with uh, Reggie. Reggie Lewis and Muggsy Bogues and all David Wingate and all those guys. They said he was like a drill sergeant. Yeah, yeah. And hey. um, so what was the what, what was the what was the difference in styles, man, going from Bob Wade uh to to, to Gary Williams? So so I had um Bob Bob was uh recruited me in my and so I played for him in my freshman year and then, and then Coach Williams came um my sophomore year. Okay, I, I stand corrected. So, yeah, yeah. So Wade, Wade, man, you know, when he came into my home, it was instant. Um, he, he he reminded me of my grandfather, you know, the way he looked and his mannerisms. I mean, if you ever been around Coach Wade, he is the coolest dude, man. He is just so cool. It's <laughs> and he reminded me so much of my grandfather because my grandfather was like that, you know. And so, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just took a liking to him right out the gate, you know. Um, uh, my mom and dad, they they really uh, took a liking to him instantly. You know, he just had a good rapport with people, you know. Uh, uh, he was very genuine. Uh, you, you knew that he, it wasn't what he said; it's how he how he talked. It was it was in the way he talked that you can see. Like I remember playing for him and feeling like thinking to myself, "Man, this dude cared more. This dude cared about me. Not only you know me playing basketball, he cared about my grades and kid. You know, like he just made me feel like, man." He, um, uh, he was a family member or something, or he had something better than me being a, 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 a successful human being. You know, that's how he approached things. So okay. uh, he was more than more than a coach. Uh, you know, so he took that that approach, and he was very. Uh, I think that that was uh, um, something that was intentful that he that he meant to do. Um, uh, and he was in our practice. I remember he used to take these brick bricks up, right? He had. A I, I heard. I heard Muzzy. Both talk about it, but go ahead, talk about it, talk about it. So, so we do the defensive slides, you know, so, you know, you go across uh, the baseline, diagonal to half court, cross half court, diagonal to the other baseline, cross it. So we, we, we doing a defensive slide, but you move, you working your arms, bricks, you got the bricks in your hand, and you just working it, and we just going through zigzagging, zigzagging, come, run, run back down, zigzagging, <laughs> brutal. You know, but when game time came, 
I mean, we were in great shape, you know. We were, we were pressuring. We were one of the few teams that were just pressuring guys all game. Yeah. You know, have the we didn't have the the three, four, and five pros on the team at one time like majority of the the, the ACC did uh, at that time. So, you know, playing for Coach Wade, you know, that was a test of your your toughness, man, for sure, uh, and being able to weather the storm and. Uh, things like that man so but i'll tell you what we had a we had a tough uh we had a tough uh freshman year but he was the um he was the first uh coach uh for i think we were the first team in the ac beat the number one seed in the acc tournament so uh he was the first coach to do that so you know that's that's the feather in his cap and then you know transitioning to coach williams Coach Williams was a different, a different type of coach. He, he was very, uh, he wanted to, uh, he was very, uh, you know, up tempo with the game. He wanted to, to uh, steal the ball, get out on the break, uh, move the ball, and and so he was, he was very uh, adamant about the execution of things, and um, you know, uh, he was also about the mental toughness as, as well. You know, uh, man, he, he would go off on us sometimes in practices, man. But uh, it just hardened you and made you tough when it was game time uh, because he was very into it. I mean, he both of those guys, uh, Coach Williams and Coach Wade, they used to just sweat through their suits, man. They were really <laughs> you know? And so you on the basketball court and you, you look over on the sideline and you see your coach giving that, that, that type of effort, you can't help but to exhaust yourself out there for him. So they were very similar in that, that aspect that you just wanted to play so hard for him. Uh, I tell you what, what Coach Williams meant to my game was I, the best way I can uh, uh, describe it is in, in, a, in a story. So this one particular time we were playing in Clemson and I started the game off uh, maybe like 0 for 8, 0 for 9 or something. And I, pa I, and I passed up an open shot one time. So uh, we ended up missing the shot, that possession. They got the, the ball, ran down the other end, missed it. We got the rebound, timeout. So we at the opposite end. And, and I'm, I'm coming to the bench and Coach Williams is walking towards, he meets me out on the court and he just start yelling at me about, you know, we, we're not gonna have a chance to win unless I shoot. And mm -hmm. I think to myself, you mean uh, unless I start scoring, right? Like, okay. you, but I done missed eight or nine shots in a row. <laughs> what are you talking about? But yeah. this, when I'm thinking that, I'm like, oh my goodness, he doesn't even care that I'm starting off like that, he has that confidence that I'm gonna get it going, you know? So that was the the first little spark right there. And then I, I remember this one time we played against Duke and we were down um, quite a bit. And so he started running these dribble handoff plays for me and from the three point line. Like literally I would get the handoff, my back was to the basket. Mm. Almost like a 360 three pointer I was shooting. And wow. then practice, he made that a regular play. That wasn't like a specialty play. That was a normal play in our offense. Wow. Myself, like, do you think I can make that shot? On the <laughs> then once again, in that moment, I was like, yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah, so, man. He <laughs> for me, man. He, I, you know, I would question myself at times and then I would go, yeah, yeah, I can. Because, yeah. Of, because of what I felt, how I felt he believed in me, you know? The very, you know, he he'll tell you he he didn't hold punches. He'll tell you exactly what he what he, what he thought, and uh, so um, he was very genuine in that respect. And so I, I felt like he thought that I was really good, so I must be really good. <laughs> I, I, I that and, and my confidence just grew grew to a, a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah, you 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 had a hell of a hell of a jump from your junior year 
to your senior. I'm looking at these numbers right here. I only had to look because I remember it. But uh, you went from 18 to, to being the leading scorer to ACC, averaging 26.8 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. And I remember those, I remember that year vividly. And I mean, you guys, I mean, you personally lit up the ACC, man. I mean, I, I know you guys ain't never get no wins off Duke, man, but you lit their ass up, man. I mean, you used to get buckets to uh, Christian Leighton and Grant Hill and them boys. So I want I want to talk about those those rivalries. Let's talk about the ACC a little bit, man. Like, what was it like? You know, who were some of your toughest battles um, as far as teams and toughest opponents, you know, during, during those years? So the toughest team, man, was always Duke because they had that extra added. You know, they had the referees helping them out too. <laughs> <laughs> they did. People don't want to talk about that, but they did, man. Come on, they did, man. Duke be cheating. They be cheating, especially when at uh, Chapel Hill. I mean, yeah. not, um, um, where, where they play at? Nah, man. I forgot what where they uh the, the Duke though, whatever they call it, man. They be cheating down there, man. <laughs> And it's, it's crucial down there in doing yeah. so. But, uh, um, you know, th those teams, man, you know, Carolina had some years where they were just super tough. I mean, it was just, it was just so talented. You know, Rodney Rodgers, you look at a Wake Forest team, King Rodney Rogers. Um, I mean, you know, those guys, you you, you talk about the ACC, um, they, Wake Forest wasn't a, a, one, a powerhouse team, but those two, those two guys were bona fide pros, mm -hmm. bodies and everything, still playing in college. So that Georgia was Tech. Hold on, hold on. Ain't we, with Kenny Anderson and uh, 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 Dennis Scott, Lethal 3D. Lethal Weapon 3, man. Lethal Weapon 3. Lethal Weapon 3, yeah, Brian man. Oliver. People sleep on Brian Oliver, man. Brian Oliver. Right. He got drafted. People forget, he, he got drafted. Yeah. He averaged 20 a game, and he was the defensive stopper. You yes, know? sir. Yes, sir. Best player, too. And yes, sir. Funny, you know, yeah, and then yeah. about 29 30, you know, and, and then you know, Kenny Anderson was sick out there, yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, it was tough, man. But for me, the toughest person for me to guard, man, was uh, Tom Gugliotta, man. The Tom Gugliotta, North Carolina man. State, North Carolina State, right? Yeah, so. I remember when he was a young boy, he was playing with Chris Corciani and Rodney Monroe and them dudes, man. But at, when he got older, he was the focal point and he got really strong too. So he he was about two or three inches taller than 6'10 out there, but he was a legit small forward. He could shoot threes. Um, he, he was just tough, man. So, I mean, uh, he- uh, The Jim, Jim Valvano uh, uh, yeah. North Carolina State. Yeah, so, you know, he, his shot was back here a little bit. <laughs> bigger than you. Couldn't really affect the shot, you know, right? Over guys, so he he was he was probably the toughest dude to guard. But you know he wasn't that good on defense, so I I would always just you used to you used to you used to, used to put him in a <laughs> cookbook. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> yeah, man. So so um, like I said, I, I vividly remember that that that's your senior year, man. You had a, a hell of a uh, a year at Maryland, man. One of the, in my opinion, arguably uh, the greatest. A single season year for any, including Juan Dixon, Lonnie Bass, all you can, you name it, man. You know you you had a great year, man. And um, you know talking about that that senior year, when did you realize that you that you could potentially be a first round draft pick? You know when did it start? When did you start hearing the rumors? Oh man, um, I, I'm ready. Man, I, 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 
uh, Seven Eleven, man. I picked up a magazine. It was uh, I was going into my senior year, and it was talk. It was a uh, Street and Smiths, and it had the uh, like the top five point guards in the country. And I was I was a top. I was in the top five. And beside it, it was talking about how uh, you know I was I was a lock, a lock going to the pros, stuff like that. And up to that point, I had never thought about that at all. I, I didn't even when I watched guys in the pros where they, where people were from wasn't publicized as much. Right. So I didn't know I didn't know where guys were from. I just thought that they just came from somewhere else. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that being an NBA player was reality until yeah. I saw Bias. So I knew Lynn Bias was from this area, and then I see that. You know, so I really didn't, you know, even when I saw the Street and Smiths, you know, I, I just looked at it like, uh, okay, we'll we, we see what happens, but I, I didn't know, you know, and so, uh, but I just, I just played the game, man, and, uh, you know, going through that senior year, um, that stretch, I, you know, I had like, I had a stretch where I had like 30 points in, in like seven or eight games in a row. Eight games, yeah, yeah. I remember, but like like the second or third time that, that you know they were mentioning after game after the game, the reporters, and uh, you know during the course of the game, I didn't even realize that that I was doing that, and uh, you know subsequently, you know game after game, you know after the game, you know my teammates, you know they would they would look they would get to the stat sheet before me. It was like they. <laughs> So like how many points I was scored too, you know. So it, it just made me feel like, you know, that my, my team was my teammates were behind me. I had a, one of my teammates, man, Frank Horton. You know, he used to, you know, sometimes a couple of games he would say to me in a timeout or something. We we in a timeout, we leaving out and walk back on the court. He would say to me, "Hey man, all right, you got like nine minutes left. You only got twenty-four. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so it's just funny." Yeah. He was just so close and yeah. he's joking and have fun with each other out there in tense, crucial situations, man. And and that helped me. That helped me uh, you know, calm myself and be relaxed out there playing the game. So it was a lot of different factors uh with with uh my teammates and just a lot of things that, that helped uh, my success in the game. No doubt. Okay, so so you end up um you know, you end up going first round, seventh pick in the 1992 NBA draft. So, again, another moment I remember because, um, you know, that that draft is arguably one of the best drafts in NBA history. Uh-huh. We got Shaq going number one, Zoe going number two, Leighton going number three. But I, what, what stands out to me is you went seventh and the Bullets had the sixth pick. <laughs> and I was like, Get him, get him, get him. Come yeah. on, West Hill, get him. We got him. Let's Did you ever like did you ever think like what would it have been like if you would have got drafted by the home team instead of going to, you know, Sacramento? You had that ever like 30 years later, had that ever crossed your mind or did it ever cross your mind ever? You're like, period. You know what? At the time, I was just like, you know, I'm in the NBA. I'm gonna make it happen wherever I am, you know. Um, but you know, in hindsight, when you look back on it, I, I absolutely, I, I, I think about what if I would have had the opportunity to play here. You know, uh, I, I got the opportunity to do that in college, and it was just, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. When I would come back with whatever team to play against the Wizards, I mean, the crowd would be unbelievable. Yeah. You know, part of me, you know, coming back home, it was just unbelievable. You know, so. It, it, it always been like that, you know, around the way, man. It, this this hood has always supported me and always been with me, you know. So 
you know, I always feel like, you know, I'm just this area's son, you know, and uh, I always wanted to represent when I was out on that court. I didn't think that I was just, you know, playing for myself. I always felt like I was playing for the area. You know, you got to recognize where, where I'm from, where, where these ballers are, you know, and so that, that's what, that's the frame of mind I, I had always when I when I stepped into games, for sure. How was it, how was it, man, walking up on that stage and having, um, I believe David Stern, that he was the commissioner that that. How was it having David Stern call your name, man? Like, did you did you realize that you was going to go seventh? Did you did you know that you go early first round? Like, how does that how, how does that work? And, and again, how did you? Yeah, I got a call that morning. Um, you know, before we got on the bus to ride over uh, to the arena, I got a call that morning from the Seventy uh, Sixers organization. They had the ninth pick. I believe, and so um, they told me that you know they would uh, they were going to draft me if I was around that late. He's like, I, I don't think you will be, but if you are, we're going to pick you ninth. So um, even with somebody saying that, you still when you ride over there to that gym, you're still thinking, oh my goodness, I do not want to be the one sitting here, you know, the last one sitting here. You know, <laughs> you always have that fear of you 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 go, you know, the lottery picks are going to go past and you know it's going to be into the mid first round and you still yeah. you always had those thoughts man but uh it was it was the whole the whole scenario the whole environment was uh it was a little bittersweet for me man because uh at that time my father he had cancer and he mm. ultimately, he ultimately passed away and so during that time he was actually going through his struggles and and uh he was dying you know when i was when i was when i was going through uh, uh you know getting drafted so uh you know uh when i when i went out to sacramento and, and had to start my career my father had just passed away you know oh, man. you know i was i was in uh i was in misery man you know and uh, uh to be honest with you i don't know if i ever got out of that the whole time i played basketball i always had this always felt this weight you know because uh i remember as a as a young boy my the first time that I played as a freshman and when I came out of the locker room he was just looking at me man and uh I was it, it just looked weird it felt weird as a father I know that look was man I'm so proud of you but you know but um as a kid I didn't know what that look was but I know I wanted to see it again and yeah. uh, who me uh when I played the game because I, I wanted when I walked after uh after the game I wanted to see that look on my father's face you know that showing that yeah okay yeah you did that and uh when that was gone uh that, a piece of me was gone man and, and uh it was tough to recover from that uh you know especially you know going all the way out to the west coast by by myself i you know going from one coast to the other you know you just gotta grow up and and uh be a man and and, and growing into being a, a you know going through manhood and all of those things and a lot of things just just happening and uh man i was going through misery you know, my, my biggest, one of my biggest fans, I, my mom wouldn't want to hear that, but you know, but my biggest, my biggest fan or, or the person I look to for the, the biggest approval, you know, he, he was gone, you know, yeah. and that, that had an impact on me, uh, you know, and it, it, it probably lasted for my whole career for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, I, I, I just learned about that, you know, in, uh, from reading this book and, um, I swear, man, it, it, it seemed like, you know, I don't know what it what it was, but something lit a fire under your ass. And I, maybe maybe that was it, because that rookie year, man, you had you had, you know, arguably one of the best rookie years in 1992, man. And, um, you know, I want to talk about that, man. You know, talk about that, that 92, 93, uh, that rookie year, man. You, you average 17 points a game. 
you know what I'm saying? Four assists, four, you know, four rebound. Like you, 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 you lit it up. You know what I'm saying? So talk about it. What was it like moving over to the West Coast? You getting the chance to um uh meet Mitch Richmond, Spur Webb, um, you know, Wayne, the late Wayman Tisdale. Uh, like, was at that time, was Mitch Richmond, did he was he at the I, I know he was um he got traded. I don't yeah. know what time during that summer from Golden State, but did you did you meet when did when did you meet uh, Mitch? Yeah, so when I came to Sacramento, he had been there maybe a year, maybe two years. Oh, I'm yeah. tripping. You right? You okay? That's the yeah. next. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A, little, a little older than me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so he had got traded from the Warriors uh, run TMC. Right. No, so man, he was a beast. So he was very he was very instrumental for me. Uh, the, the uh, consonant pro man I mean this dude worked his tail off you know and uh, he just showed showed all of us how to be professional you know and how, the work ethic that you needed to be the, be, uh, the work ethic you needed to have in order to be at a high level I saw this dude uh, you know his name ain't uh, really high profile but I'm telling you right now I used to see him dose dudes. I mean, the dudes, best, best dudes you could think about. You know, Reggie Miller, yeah. like, like all them. Dudes. Michael Jordan said that's his toughest opponent Absolutely. all time. I was about to say, I used to see them go at it, and you know, they both used to give it to each other. I, I can't say that. Oh man, you know, Jordan used to get the best of it. It wasn't like that. You know, Mitch used to give it right back to him. I mean, they used to have some tough, tough battles, and uh, you know, walking away from that, seeing that. I just had a lot of respect for Mitch because, uh, you know, he, he he took a lot of pride in the game on both ends of the court. And he was another guy that had put pump 25, 26 a game and then guard your best player. So, uh, you know, um, uh, he he was a guy that took a lot of pride in, in, in his performance every game. You know, you, you Spud Webb, he was a leader as well out there, man. Um, he still had that jet quickness out there, man. He was just unbelievable. You know, and uh, and Wayman Tisdale, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about Wayman, man, Wayman was real. Wayman uh, really understood the environment he was in, and he had a lot of knowledge, and he was sharing, man. He would be real frank and upfront with you, too. You know, uh, I remember the first couple of days when I was there, uh, Wayman say, hey, man, I'm going to tell you something right now. You know, don't don't get it twisted out here. You when you went in there and signed your contract, when you walked in there, uh, they was all looking at you and they were smiling, they were shaking your hand and telling you how great you were. And then you signed your contract, and then you shook their hand. And so when you turned around and started walking out the door, they was on the phone trying to find somebody that's better than you. Trust Dang. me. And, and they're not going to stop until they find that person. They you know what? You, <laughs> that's so that's like, crazy, man. That's crazy. But now the rest of your career is going to be fending these dudes off and trying to take your job from you. And I was like, what? I was, I was, uh, you know, but, but that's what it is. That's what it yeah, was. yeah. Now, nah, I mean, shit. I mean, I guess that's how, um, and I, and I want you, well, I always, you know, that's, like I said, it's the Bridge of the Generation podcast, man. It's no filter here. <laughs> no filter. So I, I got to ask this question because you, you, I'm a pig, I want to piggyback off what you just said because. I thought it was kind of weird that you went to Sacramento being that Lionel Simmons was there. Yeah. And y'all played the same position. So I'm like, why y'all drafting a player that played the same position? And Lionel Simmons was good. Like he yeah. he was averaging like you you and him averaged pretty much the same. Yeah, he now you was you was you was more versatile than Lionel Simmons, but make no mistake about it, Lionel Simmons was a dog. 
absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But but it, it, what you just said, just um, you know, it, it resonated with me because here they here the king. You know, I'm pretty sure they told Lionel Simmons because he's a first round draft pick. Yeah. Hey, Lionel Simmons. Oh, everything we love you. Boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, Walt Williams come. There you go. <laughs> you know they all up, and they show you because you come in there as a college player, and you thinking, hey, we're gonna play some hoops. It's college, and then that league show you, hey, man, this is the business up here. It's a different yeah. thing up here. And then if you don't, if you don't uh, 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 adapt to that, you get rolled over. Trust me. So you gotta understand it's a business up there, and handle handle your business accordingly. And so that that was always. The All right, so look, look, I wanna I wanna fast forward, man. Like I said, you had an amazing rookie year, man. That that rookie you always stand out. I had like three of your basketball cards that you had the flare, I had the flare ultra. <laughs> I think I had the upper deck. I ain't had I ain't get the tops, man. Right. I still I still got those cards, man. Um, I wish I could have got those signed. But anyway, so you know, always like I said, man, phenomenal rookie year. Um, the your, your, the um the king struggled. You guys struggled those first two years, but the third year, you guys seemed to turn it around. So, talk talk to me a little bit about that, man. What what uh, started to turn around with the Kings? Um, going you know uh, going into your third year. I know uh, your third year, you guys finished uh, thirty nine forty three, yeah. and um, you guys had a nice little you know nice little run. Almost made the playoffs, but I think that was one of your best years. Um, your, yeah. your third year in the league. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we were starting to we were starting to gel together. Then we started getting used to each other, um, you know, uh, um, playing un- untraditional. You know, uh, we were a team that would would go with the small lineups at times, and you know, because uh, we had a lot of guys who were creative out there. And you know, Wayman Tisdale, uh, he was a guy who could score on anyone, so we can use him as a center or power forward, whatever. So. You know, just just learning each other's game. You know, it, it, we really took stride in that in that third year. Uh, you can see the, uh, you know, Spud. Uh, you know, a guy named Randy Brown. He was just a hawk on the defensive oh, yeah. end. And uh, you know, so we we just start really complimenting each other. And you can see the competition level how how it increased in in their practices as well. So uh, you know, it translated on the game. I mean, on on in in, in games. Also, you know, off the court, I wouldn't say that this is a the important piece, but if you have it, it does add to the equation. But we were a close team off the court as well. Okay. You know, those guys would would come to my house and hang out. I, I probably had the hangout house, man. You know, uh, so those guys, we would come over and we play some Tecmo Bowl or you know just hang out, whatever, shoot some pool on my pool table. You know, so we 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 hung out a lot even off the court, and I think that made us closer over the years. And by the time we got to that third year, you know, you could just see everybody just wanted the best for everyone out there, mm-hmm. and we played like it. You know, so I think a little bit of the off the court stuff carried over on the court for us and so uh we, we kind of gelled uh, on a on a um, on a higher level by the time we got to the third year okay i know these some of these stories man you haven't talked about it in in years man but i, I gotta i gotta go back for a second man so you know as you coming into the league yeah you know, who was the first person to bust your ass man when you, came <laughs> into the league? you know I, I gotta ask man <laughs> who was the first person that got that they got that got with you man oh uh, man um, Cliff Robinson, man. Whoa, headband. That dude right there. Rest in peace, Cliff Robinson, man. Dude, man. I mean, shooting threes post game. 
but I remember, um, you what know. What was so I, tough? What was so tough about God and him, you know? I mean, he could just do everything. So so back then, man. Because um, he came off the bench. A lot of people don't remember. Like Cliff Robinson won um, six man in a year. Yeah. I believe your, your, your rookie year. That, that small forward position, man. That was so, no. so the one and the twos, you know, guard those guys. You got to guard that perimeter. The fours and fives, you guarding close to the basket uh, mostly. But that three, man, the three normally did everything. He played on the perimeter and post, so you right. had to guard everything. So mm. maybe, maybe, oh, oh okay, tonight on the post, I, I got him on the post. He can't do anything. Bang, he could, he could take you out on the perimeter and be just as lethal. You know, he's playing against like guys like Dutless Shrimp and, you know, dudes like that, you know, just could do everything out there, you know. And so that was every night, you know, at the small forward position, especially on the west side. You know, it was just, it was just unbelievable. So that 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 tough that that competition was tough, but it, it was good because um, you know you get a chance to play against some dudes like Cliff Robert. I mean that was a stacked squad: Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter. I mean, Buck Ross Williams, Strickland coming off the bench. Ross Strickland was yeah. there. You know, it was just it was just crazy. Yeah. You know, that team was yeah. really good. So, uh, and I tell you what about that Portland team as well. That was the first team that really made me go, "Oh my goodness, these dudes can play here at the NBA." Because <laughs> I, so 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 look, Cliff Robinson's the first dude to bust my ass, right? So the next time we played them, or maybe two games later. I got them back. I was lighting them up. And I, thought, man, I was unbelievable out there. And they tore our ass up. They beat us by like 15. So I had never played that well before in the game. They yeah. still lost, let alone get blown out the whole entire time. So I was just like, I could not believe that we were still getting beat like that and how yeah. well I was playing. So it, so it just showed me that, uh, you know, this level is a whole different level right yeah. here. These guys are, I mean, everybody's off the charts. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, y'all had it. I looked at, you know, I'm looking at, like, I remember those early Sacramento Kings teams. And uh, one thing I noticed about y'all, man, you guys could put buckets up, man. Okay. You guys could score. <laughs> Couldn't stop score. nobody. Couldn't Could stop, stop nobody. But, hey, if you wasn't making shots, it's like, who's going to outscore you? He's going to outscore you, yeah, man. Yeah, y'all, y'all, I, I, I got to give, give y'all that, man. I got to give y'all that, you know. But um, that, uh, that, that, third year you guys finally made the playoffs what was that like you know because up until then i mean i don't know maybe you may notice but i don't think the kings ever made the playoffs in sacramento <laughs> i don't think they ever made, i don't even think they made it in kansas city <laughs> hey, i'm sure they made it back in the reggie Theus days man. Nah, man, I don't, with them, ooh, with them, the baby blue oh them jerseys are so ugly man. with the name at the bottom <laughs> Yes, sir. Imagine if I you got you, drafted man. and they wore those, man. But I, I tell you what, I tell you what was the worst, man. So during that season, I got traded to the Miami Heat for Billy Owens towards the, the t tail end of that season. So I didn't get the chance to experience playing in the playoffs with the Kings, but I did. I got traded to Heat. Miami, so I did play. Uh, in the playoffs with that Miami team, you know, were uh, Tim Hardaway, Lonzo Mourning, yeah. uh, Rex Chapman, and those guys. So, yeah, so so uh, I did get the experience playing in the playoffs with them in that year. Um, we were, uh, they traded us 
to the uh, they made these trades uh, maybe right after All Star breaking. The Heat were in 12th place at that time, and so we ended up having the best uh, second half. We were number one in the second half of the season, but unfortunately, it, 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 we moved to the eighth spot, and we had to match up against the Bulls. Ooh, that was a sweep. So you sweet. already know. Yeah, yeah, I remember that sweep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that sweep. Yeah, they, <laughs> they got they got y'all in the body there, <laughs> real, real, real quick. But it's, yep. it's all good, man. Look, oh, so, so I noticed you um, after that you end up uh, getting uh, you getting getting traded to the Raptors. Now you a lot of people forget about um, that you played with the Raptors, but you started all those games with Miami. You started all those games with Toronto, and then you end up. And this is the season I want to talk about, man. We got to talk about this season. We got to. Then you end up going to Portland, and talk about them Portland teams, man. <laughs> The, I'm hey Walt. I'm gonna be honest. Those are some of the best basketball teams I've ever seen. I don't know why y'all never won a championship, but what was it like? Y'all had two starting lineups. Yeah, that, those uh, practices were off the chain, man. They were they were they were unreal. Um, I tell you what, what, a lot of people don't remember too. Like to to go back to Toronto real quick is that uh, my man T Mac. T Mac was my backup man at, at Toronto. Yeah, he you know, was. So, yep, yep. And, and I could see that was his rookie year. Yeah, he's a rookie. And, uh, yeah, so you could see though, but you could see glimpses of him in practices. That uh, man, this dude gonna be good as soon as when he get his jumper. You know, he's gonna he's gonna take off, and so okay. you know that dude had a serious work ethic. You know, he he really he really uh, his offensive game grew like with the quickness. And uh, so the but injury the injuries derailed him or that dude would have been true. He was off right, the charts. Right. But you know, then going to Portland, man, that's another squad, you know, uh, just being on that team, I tell you what, more than any other team probably that I played with, that team was so uh, it felt like I was at home, you know, uh, everybody on that team, it just it felt so familiar. We were all from similar similar backgrounds, you know, and so um, we were so much alike on that team. And uh, once again, another team that we, we all hung out off the court, you know, it wasn't much to do in Portland at all. So, but we used to go play paintball and stuff like that, man, you know, just have a blast, you know, as a team. And so, but, uh, and I, you know, once again, I think that uh, um, we, we were very close, man. Uh, we, the thing about us is that that year, all of all of the guys were uh, mid-range. We didn't have really rookies or young dudes. We didn't have really older vets. It was all right. that mid-range. And then in that one year, you know, they made trades. They, they uh, traded uh, me and a couple of, I can't remember who, uh, I can't remember who else, but for uh, um, Scotty Pippen and Steve Smith. So those guys were at the tail end of their career. So the window yes. closed very quickly. You know, they only had like that one, two year, you know, window now when, you know, when you bring those guys. So, uh, you know, I just felt like we probably would have had about a four or five year window. Nah, because y'all went to conference. Yo, yeah. I, I, hate to, I hate to cut you off, but y'all, yeah. that last year you was there, man, y'all yeah. went to the conference finals. Yeah, and, we and, lost and to the Spurs, man. You lost to the Spurs. They 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 they, they beat the brakes off you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sean, I'm going to tell you something. That first game, right, uh, the first game, we was beating them the whole – and we always had good games because – it was Tim Duncan against Rasheed Wallace. That was that feature matchup right there. Mm -hmm. So we always had the major matchups. It was always good games and tight ones. And uh, so 
Um, you know, Spurs had a pretty good record against us at home. But this particular in this first game, we was we was we were balling, man, and we we were getting with them pretty much all game. And then right at the end, uh, Sean Elliott hit this three pointer on my man Rasheed Wallace. I mean, his he was on his tippy toe. I remember that because <laughs> the heels of his feet were out of bounds. Yeah, but he was on his tippy toe, so he wasn't out. out of bounds. And he hit that shot, man. It was just like. There's no way, and Rasheed Wallace, I mean, his vertical is unbelievable. He a 6'11", 7 footer with right. like a 40-something inch vertical. Yeah. So he's flying it to do so. Sean had to like shoot the ball like way higher than he normally shoot it to get it over his hands. And I think that <laughs> I think that gave him the, the, the natural arc that he needed to hit the shot. And he hit that he hit that crucial shot, and you could tell it just it just demoralized us, man. And uh, we couldn't get ourselves together for the rest of that series. And they went on to just beat us, you know. But that first game was just so crucial for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now y'all had I, I love those teams. I used to use those teams all the time on uh, uh NBA Live, man. Cause y'all had you had two starting fives, man. Our practices was unreal, man. I'm yeah. telling you right now, it was unreal. Yeah. I mean, you literally had you you go to our our third string uh point our point guards was like Greg Anthony, uh Damon Stoudemire, and Starter. Gary Grant. Starter. Everybody was starters. Everybody was starters at somewhere. Bonzi Wells was our third string two guard. When he got traded in Sacramento, he was like an all-star. All-star. But, but on our team, he couldn't. Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal. He couldn't get in the game that much. Trade him to Indiana, all-star. All-star. You know, that, that team yeah. is back, man. We Kel, had so uh, uh, Kelvin Cato. Yeah. A backup. <laughs> he go to Houston with you. Starter. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so he, you know. I mean, that that team was stacked. That was the most talented team I had ever played on, for sure, no question. That that team was unreal. It was unreal. <laughs> you know, our, our coach was Coach uh, Dunleavy. You know, and uh, we were we were just a wild team, man. And he didn't really have the reins. He, you know, he didn't really had control of that team. So, was wild, man. Was this the? Uh, the, the Jailblazers uh, era? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ain't like man. that, man. I'm not going to lie, man. man. I, thought, I thought that was kind of racist, man. I ain't, I, ain't like that, I ain't like that name, man. But now when I think back, I'm like, okay, I see why they... I, I ain't like that they... name either, man. That wasn't cool. <laughs> I ain't like that. <laughs> so, look, so, 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 proud, so, so, look, I want to... Uh, so, I know you end up going to uh, Houston and you end up playing with an another fellow Merlin alum, a young Steve Francis, man. What was that like? You know, you 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 had a oh, you had another good 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 solid year with a, with Stevie franchise, man. What was that? You know, was I, that? I'm gonna tell you what people underestimate about Steve, man. What we're playing with him, you know, playing with him and, and seeing him, I was really close. Like when I first came to the team, and uh, when I was in Houston, I, I was you know looking for a place, you know, early on so I can get me a place in. And uh, so I was staying in a hotel for the first first couple of days, and Steve was like, "Nah, you know, don't stay in a hotel. Come live with me." So I, I live with I was living with Steve for the first couple of weeks till I found me a place, man, hanging okay. out with him and stuff, man, and uh, just getting to know him. And uh, I tell you the thing about him: when I used to watch him play, man, after a game, this dude would be exhausted. I mean, he would, <laughs> he would exhaust himself out on the basketball court. Yeah. Like he would go so hard. I mean, he gave every ounce of his energy out there. When he was after a game, I mean, he could barely walk. He, he would just lay out. I mean, he 
he would exhaust himself, man. So I respect him for that. You know, everybody, you know, he had the handles, he had the flair in this game and all of that. But I'm telling you right now, he used to go hard. He, he played hard. Uh, he gave everything he, he he had out there on that basketball court. No doubt. I know. Um, I believe though, the, um, when you was with Houston, those were some of uh, Rudy Tom Jonovan's last years in the NBA. Uh, last years in Houston, I mean. Yeah. And yeah. um. He was a he was a he was a type of coach that he was just uh, he was similar in, with and uh, uh, Don Nelson in this respect, but uh, that they paid attention to the mismatches more than anything. How the game is played now? Are we gonna run a pick and roll and get this mismatch and then take advantage and create? You know, uh, most teams just ran their plays and things like that, whatever right. their, their offense was. But Rudy would he would adapt to the game. Don Nelson was the same way. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a play that we was running. It was just we're taking a bit. We want to take advantage of a particular defender out there, and so that was the whole concept of how we played uh, played the game. And so uh, those two coaches, their approach to the game was that way offensively. Okay, okay. I heard um, Rudy T. He was kind of like you know he. Um, he, he he liked coaching older players you know he he would let like the older players kind of like do you know they would be more hands-on as far as like um the direction of the team he would kind of just sit back and you know it, yeah him and don nelson was similar in that respect as well you know they you know uh they they, they relied on their veterans a lot not only uh um for the basketball part but uh you know getting the team in line making sure everybody was uh bought in Okay. You know, okay. and, uh, so uh, yeah, you know, uh, he he would absolutely, you know, guys like Akeem Olajuwon, Barkley, you know, those dudes run practices a lot, you know, and so uh, and establishing how the approach we're gonna have going to the game and and things like that. So they were instrumental in that part of it, and um, I think you take notice of, of that as a, a player to, for a coach to be able to say, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna let this guy do that, and, and you, you look at those guys as, as players, coach, players, coaches, because you know they they uh, uh, allow the players to be involved in that part of it. You know, it's a different perception of uh, how you see the game when you're actually on the court as opposed no. to from the sideline. Okay. So it's little nuances out there that you see that are different than from the sideline view, and uh, you know, but a coach has to be able to have the confidence to rely on his, his uh, players to be able to, t to take that direction or whatever. So not all coaches not uh, not like that. So, but Rudy and, and Don Nelson, they definitely were. Okay. Now I want I want I want to touch on something. I, I gotta I gotta ask you this, man. I gotta ask you this. Well, what was like one of the most ridiculous purchases that you that you acquired <laughs> as as a young NBA player, man? Because we we hear about right. you know a lot of guys doing crazy shit with their money, man. <laughs> Coming into the league, what did, what did you? I know you. I know you got. I know you looked out for mama. But yeah. what did you do that when you when you look back as a, as an elder statesman and you be like, damn, I shouldn't did that. You know what? I was I was a real laid back dude, man. So I didn't, you know, like I I give me a Rolex, but it wouldn't have no diamonds in it. No bust night. down. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> I, was, I was great too. I was I was always subtle, like chill you know try to hit you subtle you know with things so i was never a flashy dude so i ain't really you know i ain't really had no big person i just want to make sure when i bought my home that you know my children can experience a life that i never had and you know uh, my wife and my kids you know making sure my family is straight so you know that i was always into that part you know um uh, making sure my cousins and you know aunties and 
you know, everybody's okay, you know, doing what I can. So, uh, you know, it wasn't too much I could floss with, you know, because I was just trying to, you know, uh, help help family members or do what yeah. I can to, you know, do what I can for the fam, you know. No doubt, That's what, it's no about. what was that? What was that rookie contract like? Because I know that the rookie contracts have definitely changed a lot since since no, 1992. Man, mine's a small potatoes, bro. You know, I, my first G, my first my first contract was three years, seven million, man. Three years, seven million as the seventh pick, bro. What? <laughs> yeah. So what did what did Shaq what did what did Shaq get then? Uh, I can't remember, man. But it was like a, it was a domino effect. So when the first one goes, and the second one. So I believe that uh, um, Todd Todd Day was the eighth pick. He was right behind me, and Google was six. So yeah. I believe both of those guys had signed their contracts, and so my contract just fit right in between theirs. Okay. So you know that's how it went. You know it was kind of yeah. slotted. You know how how everybody would get that contract, but you know it wasn't a lot of it wasn't a lot of ducats out there back then compared to how it yeah. is now. You know, especially so. Uncle Sam. Once Uncle Sam get his oh, man, man. What? people for people forget about that man, and 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 that that leads to, to leads me to uh, what, what what I want to talk with you now because. Now you 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 work as a certified financial plan. A lot of people may not know that. Yeah. And so so what led you, uh, you know, into, into this field? Did you you took up accounting in, in college, or you know, how how did that, you know? Um, I had I, I took a personal finance. So, but but all through grade school, I, I was always my my best subject was always math. So I was always a numbers. Uh, type of dude, man, and so uh, that seemed like something that would um, fascinate me or have my interest. You know, it's, it's sometimes guys struggle with finding what, what they want to do after the game, and, and uh, I had a period where I was trying to find myself and see, you know, what, what what's going to catch my interest, and uh, that that happened to be it. So uh, that's just one of the things that I do. You know, I'm I, I was I'm on the board for uh, uh, Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield in the state of Maryland as well. Um, you know, I, I'm entrepreneur, and so uh, yeah, man, I just try to uh, do my thing, man, do what I can before I got to sit down and rest up. You know, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I feel you, I feel you. I know you did. You did some coaching. You ain't speak about the coach. I know oh, you yeah. was uh, you was coaching both of your sons at Springbrook. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Sherwood, 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 my bad, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah. I, I, I get the Montgomery <laughs> County schools mixed up, man. They all. <laughs> you know what? Back in those days, back when my sons played, man, uh, the Montgomery County League it wasn't too bad. You know, it was uh, some very good competition. You know, uh, once again, you know, guys going to uh, uh, D1 schools coming out of the Montgomery County school system. You know, so it, it was some good players there. So it was some really good competition, but the biggest joy for me was just being able to coach my sons, you know. Uh, as I've always coached them as little kids, and, and so it's always been a joy to, to coach them and, and the neighborhood kids, and uh, I just, I, as a player, I always found it so crazy for a coach to say, oh man, I love practices more than a game. I always was like, what? I hear that a Ooh, lot. I don't get it. Right, let's, let's get into this game, get these numbers up. Right, right, right. You know? but, but as a coach, 
I see where you come from because it's about the development of that player. You see him come into your program and then uh, you see how he is when he leaves. And so that's the practices. And uh, so those are much more gratifying than, than the game, I'm sure, for the players. Oh, yeah. You know, so, so you know, what the biggest thrill for me is just being able to coach my sons, man. I, I had to, I was lucky enough to be able to coach them as young kids and then on up in, in high school. Uh, my, my oldest, I got an opportunity to coach him for uh, two years on varsity. And then uh, my middle son, I coached him one year before he transferred to uh, St. Andrews High School. So, I mean, it, it was just great, you know, being able to coach them and, and see them develop over the years and uh, just see them grow into the players that they, they grew into be. But more importantly for me, man, I you know, they're just good people, man. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, you, you know, I, I as a parent, you don't know if you're too tough on your kids or what have you. But at the end of the day, if they're good people, then, hey, I can live with that. You no know, doubt. so uh, yeah. that's what it's all about for me. So you never you never like push them in, you know, towards basketball. You let you kind of let them, uh, uh, you know, make a decision uh, for themselves. So for me, I, 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 I let them play all types of sports, man. So I, I, I just felt like playing sports. Uh, you take the, the things you learn from that, and you can apply it to life. To life, so that's true. I, I know that I that's what that's what I've done in my life. So I always felt that you know being a part of a team it, it helped you not only uh, um, in that particular sport, but just in life. Period. And so um, um, I, I had my kids playing you know basketball, football, soccer, you know um, baseball, you know, and then at some point. Um, they go, they would go, you know, I want to play just basketball. And so it would kind of get to that point. But I always felt that you play uh, play all these different sports. You never know. You never know what, what you're going to be good at and so uh, and what you're going to take to. And so, but ultimately, they all took to basketball, man. And I'm, I was cool with that. <laughs> I, ain't wrong with that. I hear you. I hear you. Now, what? Like I said, man, this is this this been a dream of mine, man, to interview you, brother. Um, a lot of people may not know this, but though if you know, you know. But Walt Williams is still the single season uh, leading uh, single Maryland's uh, all-time single season season leading scorer. And if I'm not mistaken, you still Maryland's career all-time leading scorer. Not career, uh, but single season though. So my my points in that season and my career my career average. I mean my uh, that single season average. So my my uh, records that's offensively are uh, single season so it's not career I, I got hurt I broke my leg uh, in my junior year and missed you know probably like half of the season and in my freshman year I did I didn't play uh, much until the halfway through the season so when you look at my career numbers it's really like three years almost like two and a half three years worth of work really right yeah. Okay. All right. I was close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. I remember. You know, I, I remember. I remember, them, I, I remember them last two seasons, man. It looked. <laughs> you was lighting shit up, man. That's I, that's all that mattered to me, man. You, you was you was you was giving you was giving brothers buckets, man. I mean, I took a lot of pride in uh, just getting better every year. And, and carried the state on. You carried the state on your back, brother. I don't know if you know that. You carried the state of Maryland on your back, man. Because we. We got hit with that death penalty, man. It was like, cause it, it, to people who may not know, like what was the specific 
um, penalty. Like, like so, so. Yeah, we couldn't play in uh, one year. We didn't. We didn't play in uh, um, ACC, the ACC tournament, and then the, the following year, uh, we couldn't be on TV. So uh, when we were playing those games, we would play live. We would play a game, but then they wouldn't show it live. They would show it on a tape delay, and maybe like at midnight or something like that. So we didn't play, they didn't show our games live during the season. They would just play it late on at night. And, uh, you know, we, I, you know, I felt like uh, because we couldn't be on TV, that, that had some effect in, in terms Recruiting. of, uh, yeah. And, and also in my sophomore year, we should have been a team that was uh, uh, viable to, to go to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, we were like, we had like 19, 20 wins that year had some big wins in that season, some big, some top uh, five. Uh, we beat Carolina that year. That was a top five team or what have you, but we didn't make the uh, NCAA. They put they uh, put us in the NIT, and uh, I just felt like that had to do with, they knew that the sanctions were coming. They knew they was coming for us. And so, and then shortly thereafter, you know, or, or I'm sorry, right before then, that's when they had, you know, came down on us and then, you know, we didn't make the NCAA tournament after that, so I, I felt like that had something to do with it for sure. When, when did it? When did it? Uh, when did it end? Uh, my senior year. So I, I, uh, my senior year, my senior year was the. So it was for my sophomore and junior year. So my senior year was the year that it was. It was over. Yeah, you so you, you 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 played that that last year like like man, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. I'm about to get back in. Oh yeah, y'all ain't get a chance to see me play. I'm about to get. I'm about to. I got a list for everybody, man. I was watching some games on YouTube. I was watching you play uh, Duke. Um, your last game against Duke, man. You gave it to uh, Grand Hill, man. Y'all lost, but y'all you you play y'all you played a hell of a game, man. So so with all that said, hey, what's what's some of the most um you know when you look back at your career. What is uh, some of the things that you're most proud of, man, when you look back? Um, I, I say like at, at the University of Maryland, most people don't know, uh, when, when I left the school in my senior year, I was the I was the all-time steel leader, career steel leader, right? And so um, I took a lot of pride in being able to anticipate where people were gonna pass the ball and, and get that. And, but the biggest reason why that happened for me is because I had, uh, Cedric Lewis behind me and I knew that he was a unbelievable shot blocker so I would be very aggressive to go with steel, go for steals because I knew that if I missed it you was going to go to the basket and Cedric was going to block it and then we were going to be out on the break so uh, it, 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 my mentality was different in that in that sense and so um, but most people don't know that but for me the biggest thing was just going to the thing that I remember was going through that stretch of those 30 point games um, you know, um, it was uh, versus all ACC schools. Uh, I think in the, uh, before, you know, early in the season when you're playing out of conference, uh, before I got to the ACC season, I was probably averaging like 22, 21 points a game. And then in the ACC, I was I averaged 30 in, in the ACC against ACC competition. And I took a lot of pride in that because um, in the, back in those days in that environment, guys were they were pros already, but they were still playing in college. So right. like guys right now, the environment was not really different. Like the difference is that they, these guys nowadays, the rules are different. So now you can leave early to go right. to right. go to the pros. But in my day, we didn't do that. So, but they were still pro ready, but it was exactly. just, they were still playing in college. And so that made for the college level just was so high 
you know, uh, when you're playing other teams with with their best player, they're not they're not freshmen, inexperienced players. They're junior, senior guys who are at the highest level of their game, mentally and physically, at, at the college level. And you you met that competition every night. And so uh, to accomplish what I did and put up numbers on on teams like that and the dudes that I played against. Um, you know, I look back on that and it's just like, wow, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's something that I never thought that that, that I would do. Uh, my goal was to uh, follow in the footsteps of Lynn Bias. And so uh, every day I just, you know, when I my focus was when I was coming into games that, like I said, I was going to show them. I was going to show everybody watching that day that I was, I was the best. You know, I was the baddest dude on this floor. And that, that fueled me, man, and, and uh, it led to all the things that happened there, you know. And, and but and, and my teammates, you know, my teammates, uh, you know, we I, I talked to many of them. I got a group text with like 20 of us on on it right now to this day, you know, because we were just a brotherhood. And uh, when I went through that time frame where I could I could have transferred and played at any school right away, I didn't have to sit out a year. I still couldn't fathom leaving the, those guys because even though I knew we were going to be on sanctions and, and going through all of that, but they were my family. They were my brothers, you know, and um, I, I felt like I made the right decision because I have uh, these lasting relationships that last to this day. So forget the basketball part of it. Those are my friends to this day. So those those are the things that I remember the most, man. You know, the numbers I put up on dudes, but the friendships that I made, uh, the lasting friendships that I've I've had over the years from from my college teammates, man. So that's that's the thing I, I remember the most. No doubt. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, I had to save the best for last, man. I had to save <laughs> the best for last. Uh, we got it. We got to talk about this book that you. Uh, I believe you released. This was released in 2017, 2016, yeah. 2017, 2017. It might have been 2018, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted. I wanted. I want to talk about this book. Um, I just got finished reading it. Um, I believe like two days ago. Mm -hmm. Amazing book. Amazing Great. book. Like I don't even read books like that because I do everything <laughs> audio. You know, so I'm gonna keep it 100. I don't read like that no more. Everything is goes right to the ears, man. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm be honest. But I actually sat down and read this, and it's an amazing read. Um, like I said, I saved the best for last because I, I remember seeing you came to the library here, uh, in my area, and you, I, 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 I listened to you and Tony as you guys spoke about Lynn Bias, and um, you know, me being a young kid and just being a very young kid, but I still, I remember his death as a young yeah. kid. And um, he's, he's uh, what do you call it? It's, it's like, he's still here. His, his spirit has never left, you know? And, 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 and just seeing the emotions um, that, that, that just seeing the emotions uh, in, in you, as you spoke about uh, Lynn Bias, man, I, I said, I gotta, I gotta have him on a platform. I would love for you to talk about Lynn Bias, man. You got very emotional. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, can you, can you tell me, like, how did you meet Lynn Bias? And what was he like? What was your friendship uh, like with him? What did you learn from him? Because you mentioned him a few times, even during this interview. So, right. like I said, I say the best for last, man. Let's look. Let, let's talk about it. You know. Yeah. So Lynn, Lynn Bias was the greatest, greatest player I had ever seen, man. So it's just simple as that. Um, I had never seen anything like him. Uh, he stood out to me 
um, amongst great players. He just stood out to me. And so um, I just wanted to be like him. And uh, I spoke about what it. it? I don't mean to cut you yeah, off, but what, was it, what was it about Lenny that, 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 that stood out? Uh, uh, the way he played the game, right? You you see him play, and he had this tenacity about him, right, on the court when he played. Um, he wasn't a real like uh, 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 he didn't talk a lot, but you could tell he was out there playing with that competitive nature that he was he was coming at you, he was coming right to your face, whoever it was, right. And then you would see him get interviewed, and he would be so chill and so humble, you know. And uh, man. Um, I think that's the biggest part of the, of the spirit that lives on about him. That's in this area that, you know, those star, the star players. We're not, uh, we we uh, we we humble in in the way we speak about things and, right. and in a, in a chill in a chill way. But then when we step on that court or field, whatever that that competition is, just the the the, the competition level or competitive spirit is just off the charts. And so that was, you know, I, we mimic that. Uh, also, the, the having the versatility of being a guy that big, being able to shoot the ball from the outside. He was the, he was one of the first first guys to do that. Uh, it wasn't a three point line then, but you can see he, he he just shoot the ball. He was a post guy, but they could shoot from the perimeter just as good as a guard. Yeah. And and uh, you see. Uh, um, uh, even myself, you, when, when, when I when I uh, came to the University of Maryland, and you start seeing uh, when I get drafted, you started seeing an influx of guys from this area, six, six, seven, six, six, and above, being of that versatile. Uh, he can get to the basket. He can mid-range yeah. shoot jumpers, handle, see the floor like a point. All of these things, and it came from the the ground floor was from Lynn Bias and the way he played. He wasn't that traditional. Uh, back to the basket play, even though he was that size. So he showed all of us that early on. And not only did the players adapt, but the coaches adapted to that as well. So, and they coached us in that way. So they allowed us to have that freedom and not play traditionally with your back to the basket uh, because they had seen the success in that uh, with, a, with a guy like Lynn Bias. So he played in the same uh, uh, high school league that I played in as well. So, you know, those guys, they saw that. They saw him come through there and wreck shop. And so they knew that, oh, we're not gonna pigeonhole these players and make them just do this one thing. And so that's that's him, that's him. And so, and, and then you look at the University of Maryland, uh, a lot of people credit me with uh, 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 saving the university, uh, uh, staying staying uh, with the university through those times, and then you started to see the recruits in like a uh, Johnny Rose, X Rehip, Dwayne Simpkins, those guys, and then it turns into a Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and those guys. So you see home guys from from here uh, uh, taking pride in coming to the University of Maryland. That ultimately turned into a championship. But the ground floor of that was Lynn Bias. You know, I wanted to be Lynn Bias. You know, I saw that, and that that inspired me. And and so uh, for me, he he's everything, man. And so that's why I'm so emotional, so emotional to talk about him, cause uh, he's like a superhero. It's even hard to this day to just fathom, like man, he's gone. You know, and uh, you just like man, what could, what could he have been? And that that's just that's just uh, so hurtful because you look at a guy he's often compared to. Uh, Michael Jordan, right? And so you see Michael Jordan, his impact on the, on the league. He comes right. through the league with the Bulls, uh, the way he plays the game, the way he, his swag. You saw so many dudes come behind him copying that and, and, and sort of establish what the league was right, going right. to become 
because of Michael Jordan. And I think that uh, the league was hurt uh, by yeah. not having a guy like Lynn Bias because absolutely he would have had that type of impact. The way he played the game, you would have saw guys go, oh, uh, the guy shooting a six nine dude shooting the ball like that, yeah. and so I think you would have seen the transition of the way the game is played now. I think that would have happened a lot quicker had Lynn Bias uh, been playing the league because I, the, these players would have mimicked his style of play, and, and uh, so I, I just think that that's that's just that's just sad to think about that he didn't get an opportunity to have the impact on the league that I know he could have. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. Um... I see you got a jersey in, in, in the background. Oh, oh yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know I, when I think of, when I think about Lynn, man, like I said, man, he's he's immortalized, man. Like you know, you don't even have to, you don't even have to like been alive during the time that he was playing, but you know who he, if you from this area, you know who he is because he's been he. That's how big his impact on this area was, you know. And my uh, my my current my, my girlfriend, she she graduated from Northwestern. Now she was born way after yeah, <laughs> he yeah, passed, yeah. but you know everybody who went to Northwest and they, they even though they may not have watched him, they knew they know who he is. And like you said, it was it just it, it, it's just a tragedy. But um, I love the fact that you carried on his legacy and the way that you looked at Lenny. That's how I looked at you as a kid, man. When I was 13, 14 years old. Had the high socks, man, and I'll be on the basketball. You know, I ain't gonna make it to the NBA, but you couldn't tell me I wasn't Walt Williams, man. I, you know, you couldn't tell me. I, I, I thought I was Walt Williams, man. I had my little, my little champion jersey on, <laughs> little cheap ass champion jersey on. <laughs> so, so you know, here I am in my forties, man, and, and, and I'm, I'm man enough to, and, and, and to, to, to actually be able to tell you thank you brother for just not just your, your your basketball prowess man but just being the man that you are the way you represented uh the area man and it's it's, it's truly a, a a blessing to see someone like yourself who comes from the area where i'm from and to go on and to have such tremendous success in different endeavors in your life man it's 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 it's, it's truly a blessing man and thank you brother I tell you what, man, to hear things like that, it's, it's so humbling, you know, and uh, it means so much to me uh, to hear people uh, say things about me like that, especially when they from where I'm from, you know, so it, it has a special place for me, man. So I appreciate all those kind words, man, and and know that, uh, you know, that, that hits for sure, man, because... Uh, like I've been mentioning all night, my whole career, I, I always wanted people to know where I was from. I always, always wanted that. And it, it was inspired because whenever I would come home, uh, people just always showed me so much love. I hear so much, so many stories about all the hate or when you, when you make it, when you become successful and then all the people that start to hate or whatever. I, I, I have to say, I, I didn't witness too much of that at all. You know, being here, you know, it was, it was just all love. Yeah. And uh, I always, you know, always wanted to give it back for sure because, uh, you know, it, it, it has always inspired me, um, not just my family and friends, but just the area, the DMV, you know, and so that's why I always wanted to represent. No doubt. Well, look, brother, like I said, man, I can't say it again, but I will, man. It's been a pleasure having you on the platform. I would love to have you back on, but I had to, I wanted to say the best for last to touch on this book, man. Where, where can people uh, grab this? Yeah. 
You can get that book. You can get it anywhere they sell books, man. It's a great read. It's not only about Lynn Byers as a player, but it's it's a it's a human interest book. It's about uh, with his death, the impact that it had not only on the court but off the court as well. You know the changes to the University of Maryland and their uh, the academic support for for student athletes, uh, laws put in place, uh, all of those things. So it's more than just uh, you know just a basketball story. So uh, definitely go out there and get that read about a legendary, legendary, absolutely legendary player in Lynn Bias. No doubt, no doubt. Well, look, Ward, I ain't going to hold you any longer. Man, thank thank, thank you for, for, for accepting this honor, brother. You keep doing your thing. I would love to have you back on and, you know, God bless you, brother. You have a good night. I want to say always, uh, you know, uh, I got the, I got this, uh, my new vodka brand is on the market. It's called Clutch Vodka, man. So if you see it out there, absolutely support it's a, a great taste in vodka and so okay. uh yeah absolutely drink responsible of course but yeah no doubt no support, doubt man and hey, <laughs> you know so yeah well you know like i said entrepreneur just doing a lot of different things yeah. trying to um you know make it happen man so uh yeah man i appreciate it appreciate you having me on and uh you know hey pg county we the best for That's sure. right. Let them let them know. <laughs> that, man. Are, are you on any like social media, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, you know, uh, the Walt the Wizard uh, forty two. You know, that's my tag on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Okay, Walt the Wizard forty two. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send a request. I I, I appreciate you following me. No doubt. Probably drop this interview like ASAP. I'm not. I can't hold this one. This one gotta go. I gotta let this one fly. I gotta no, let like this, one sure. fly. this one. This one gonna go. So you can. You know, just, just let everybody know, man. This this is one of the, the best interviews of Walt Williams. If you want to get some in depth, you know, uh, uh, information on Walt Williams, you got to tune into Bridging the Generation podcast. And with that, yes, I'm a lock on Reef Walt the Wizard Williams, and we signing out. <laughs> Take care, brother. All right, dog. All right, God bless.